3: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to
2: sports
1: on a Sunday morning. There's a
2: swing and a long one. That's a goner for Bader. Touchdown, Kansas City. Johnson pops a three. Oh, the by Billiken says I'm involved too. On America's sports toys. KMOX.
4: Welcome back, everybody. 11.06 here on a Sunday morning here at the ballpark. I'm Mike Claiborne. Cardinals coming your way a little later this afternoon as they take on the Cincinnati Reds in the final game of their three-game series. Redbirds looking for the sweep and a Sunday victory to go along with it. So we'll have all the action for you coming up just a little after 12. John Rooney, Mike Shannon with the call, and it should be a very entertaining game because we have some good pitchers on tap for today. As Jack Flaherty. will go to the mound for the Cardinals He was the opening day starter for the Cardinals, as was Luis Castillo. He was their opening day starter, and it should be an interesting tilt today. So we'll have all the action for you in just a bit. We're going to talk some baseball now with Bob Nightingale of USA Today and uh, get his thoughts on what he's seeing. Bob, how are you this morning? Okay. He's coming up in the next segment. So here we go. So we'll almost have Bob Nightingale, so he'll be coming up in just a bit. So in the meantime, We want to remind you, coming up in this hour, we'll have a chance to visit with Bob, as I just reminded you. You'll also hear from John Moselock, talk with him about the Cardinals as they go into the final week of the first month of the season and uh, get his thoughts on what's next for the Redbird organization. And later we'll talk with Brianna Halverson. She is with St. Louis University. The women's soccer team is back in the tournament again. And, you know, there was a time when St. Louis University was a true power in soccer. Uh, certainly in the 70s. They won multiple championships at that point. They've had very competitive programs, but I think when you look at what the women have done over the last few years, winning the Atlantic 10 and now finding themselves in the tournament good enough where they even had a first-round bye. So uh, we want to certainly give them some love because that program is really making a name for themselves, not just locally but certainly on the national front. And we'll visit with Brianna Halverson a little later and get her thoughts on what's next, especially for her. She's a senior, so she's seen a lot of things happening within the program. So we'll have a chance to chat with her uh, a little later in the hour. So what we'll do now is take our first break. We'll come back. And then Bob Nightingale will join us, and we look forward to talking to him, and we look forward to you listening here on KMOX.
1: From KMOX Sports, here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning oh, yeah. on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome
4: back, everyone. It is 11-13 here in St. Louis. I'm Mike Claiborne, and it is Sports on a Sunday Morning, and we're going to visit with Bob Nightingale of the USA Today And we'll talk a little baseball with him. Bob, good morning, sir. How are you? Yeah, Doing great, Mike. Yourself? I have not one complaint to lodge at this stage of the day. Give me time, though. I may find one. Hey, listen. A lot of things going on in the game these days. So my first question to you, as you look at the standings, there are a lot of teams that are having problems as far as the wins and losses are concerned. You either have a lot of teams that are at 500 and a whole lot more, it seems like, under 500. Why are teams stumbling out of the gate so much this year.
2: Yeah, I mean, is there so, so much parity or so much mediocrity? I mean, it's really the Dodgers by themselves and everybody else is about the same, it seems like. Uh, I'm looking there the other day. Well, I think there were only seven teams that were, you know, even, you know, two games over 500. So, yeah, just uh, strange. I mean, obviously, you know, now back to the beauty of a 162-game schedule, there'll be no flukes. You know, we're not going to have the Marlins make the playoffs and that sort of thing. But, yeah, people would be panicking right now if, you know, we're only a 60-game season because uh, there's a lot of uh, funny things going on. You know, teams that are supposed to win aren't winning. Teams that are uh, supposed to be bad are, are in first place.
4: Yeah, you know, what? as Mike Shannon would always say, you better get them really because they don't know if they're bad yet. And, and I think that may be part of the issue with some of these teams. They just don't know it's going to get worse before it gets better than what they expect.
2: Yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, when you're, uh, you know, I mean, Seattle, Seattle did this a couple of years ago too. Remember, I mean, they were 13 mm-hmm. and two. You know, now they're sitting in first place. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're going to see, uh, you know, stuff like that where the, the true, you know, the true talent will you know, will come out. I mean, uh, some of these teams too, they're off to uh, horrible starts. You know, just like Oakland was. I mean, Oakland. You know, I saw Oakland a lot in spring training, and they lost a six in a row. It's not as surprising as anybody. I mean, obviously, you going to lose a game, you know, now and then. But this is more reflection of the true Oakland A's team.
4: Hey, what's been the surprise story in the first month of the season? What 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 are you writing about, or what are you seeing that maybe you didn't anticipate? You know, I mean, right, right now it's probably some some of the pitching, particularly the two guys,
2: Grom and In uh, Corbin. I mean, it's un- unbelievable, uh, you know, what those guys are doing. I mean. Uh, you know, Degrom is dominating like you know we haven't seen in a long, long time. I'm trying to think of a uh, a pitcher you know that that was just so completely dominant the way he is. You know that you know he's got to opt out of clause after next year. It'd be interesting to see if the Mets try to uh, you know give him an extension before it before it runs out or not. And uh, you know Corbin's been you know just as good there for the for the Brewers. Those two guys probably jump out more than anybody.
4: Well, you know, I, I was going to ask you about DeGrom, and every time I see a guy come out of the gate like this, I always wonder is he a guy that's going to flirt with an ERA of 1.12? Yeah. Uh, i tell you
2: what, it went low, the mountains or moved up mountains back five feet if that happens again. <laughs>
4: yeah, and, yeah, and you know, it's because a, uh, he's, it's,
2: it's amazing what he's
4: doing. Yeah, and you're, you're right, and I've had a chance to watch him a little bit, and I'm, I'm just fascinated by his approach. I mean, you know, he's got that four-seamer that's just blowing people up, and he's got multiple other pitches that he can get people out with. He's durable. And the reason why it just reminds me of what Bob Gibson did in 1968, they don't score a lot of runs for him either.
2: Yeah, you yeah, know, good point. I mean, it's amazing. He gets the, uh, what, a seam or extension, and then it's a, uh, you know, outdated, you know, in a matter of months. Uh, you know, particularly what Garrett Colmo's guys are doing. So, you know, he ended up firing his, uh, his agents, hiring new ones. And like you said, with an uh, opt-out after next year, you know, he's, he's got to do it. I mean, this guy, be, this guy should be a $40 million a year pitcher at least.
4: Well, you know, I think if he has one thing in his favor, he's playing for a new owner who's, who's made the commitment of saying, you know, we're going to spend some money. And obviously with the Lindor contract and there's some other kids that he's going to have to figure out how to pay. But I think if you have good pitching like they have with DeGrom and, you know, Syndergaard is not going to be far away here in the future and they've got some other good ones on their staff, you know, they could really have a good run, although they're in a very difficult division when you think about Washington, you think about Philadelphia, and certainly Atlanta.
2: Yeah, I, I still think Atlanta is the, uh, you know, the best team in the division. Uh, I, you know, they're still battling you know, a bunch of injuries, but I think they'll be just fine. But yeah, you still got some portal who's a free agent after the years too. You know they uh, never really got close with him on, on an extension, so yeah, they get some decision to make. But tell you what, Degrom's a guy where you know you're gonna pay, pay to watch pitch. I'll be uh, curious, you know, once you get to 100% capacity, on you know how many uh, extra fans you know he gets for his starts compared to everybody else.
4: Yes, that's, that's a great point. Speaking of which. What are you hearing on that front with regard to Major League Baseball and the next step with regard to fan increases and also better access media wise?
2: Well, I know the owners think that uh, by the All Star break, it should be 100% capacity everywhere. Uh, you know, I mean, California, you know, is open up to about what, 33%. Uh, so there are no way, you know, in places like, you know, Florida and Texas can do it right now. But I think, a, uh, I think by the All Star break, uh, Me, actually, I'm not sure. I don't think we'll be back in the, in the clubhouse this year, but there's a lot of talk about being on the field. So you can hang around in the batting cage and maybe at least talk to uh, managers and some uh, players in the dugout, that sort of thing. You know, I think things were going a little more, more smoothly until the Minnesota Twins outbreak. That kind of set things back. And well, we had, what, 40 reporters test positive covering the Masters a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, last thing they need is just some report that will affect the entire clubhouse.
4: Oh, no. Yeah, they, that, that would not be a good thing for sure. Hey, uh, you <laughs> know, this last week uh, the CBA negotiations between the owners and the players, they had their first official meeting. Um, give me your thoughts on where this is headed. And, and obviously uh, they've got time to get it done, but what do you think will be the biggest sticking points? Because I'm sure both sides feel like uh, they, they want to make sure this is something that works for them.
2: Yeah, and the meeting was just uh, all it was was a slideshow presentation. There was no talk whatsoever. It's just, okay, here's, here's what we're thinking. Uh, you know, is, you guys are, you know, thinking that sort of thing. It's not going to get serious talk until probably September or October, you know, once you get closer to the deadline, December 1st. And uh, you know, the players' biggest thing, Union's biggest thing, is to have all teams trying to win. And then they get tired of these teams rebuilding and not trying – uh also the luxury tax you know when teams like the uh you know Yankees and Red Sox and you know Houston are watching it uh in the Cubs it's like they're, they're acting like it's a uh, you know a hardcore you know salary cap and not just luxury tax so they want to they want to change that uh you know the owners like it you know pretty much like it pretty much the way it is now uh but i, I think some of the big market clubs crash their hands and say, why are we doing revenue sharing when teams like, you know, Pittsburgh and Baltimore, you know, have $40 million payrolls. I mean, you know, Trevor yeah. Bowers making more than some of these teams just about.
4: Hey, what are you hearing about the Cardinals? Uh, you know, we see them, see them every day. What are you hearing around the campfire?
2: Well, I mean, they, you know, they certainly have prospects. And they have the money to do whatever they want, you know, come trade down line. Uh, I'll be interested in trade down line because, you know, without, 100% capacity. These teams still aren't making the money they thought. I think they need to average about 50% capacity for the year, uh, you know, for teams to uh, make a profit. I'm curious about Max Scherzer. Uh, if the Nationals fall out of it, they're going to have no choice but to trade Scherzer. Scherzer's going to have about 12, 13 million dollars off in the contract. Not too many teams can take that on. Uh, the Cardinals can, obviously, you know, uh, being from the uh, St. Louis area and stuff you know, was a diehard Cardinals fan and I think still to this day it aggravates him that you know the Cardinals never made a bid for him uh to try to sign him as a free agent. I think that'd be a nice a great fit, you know, if the National race and uh and do move him in July.
4: You know, we, we were having this this conversation during spring training that uh th- this could take place. Obviously uh it would certainly help the Cardinals, but you know the Cardinals have to hold up their end too. They need to be competing and be in that situation where it's, it's certainly worth the, the, the kick of the tire. So we'll see how things unfold there. Hey, before we get out of here, one other thing. Uh, the, this, this newfound Dodger-Padre rivalry, I thought that in order to have a rivalry, you know, you had to beat the other guy from time to time. And now the Padres are <laughs> starting to, to find their way. They, there's still a lot of work to do as far as that rivalry or that alleged rivalry is concerned. No,
2: you're exactly right, Mike. I mean, you know, historical rivals, rivalries still are, you know, Yankees, Red Sox, Cubs, Cardinals, you know, Giants, Dodgers. Uh, you know, I was at the series in San Diego. It was a fun series. But even their two owners, you know, Peter Sadler and Ron Fowler, says, you know, exactly what you said, Mike, I don't know if you call it a rivalry yet. We we haven't beat them. I mean, Dodgers have just won eight straight division titles. Uh, you know, they got they got the World Series. The Potteries have never won a World Series. You know, the Potteries have only been the uh, – Uh, You know, playoffs or London Vision, I think the last time was 2006. So, you know, a long way to go. I think it's just the new thing. So people call it a rivalry, but I think it's more the Pottery's thinking that than the Dodgers. I think Dodgers think, okay, call it what you want, but we're still the (laughs) king in the neighborhood here.
4: Exactly. Hey, you know, before we get out of here, as we visit with Bob Nightingale of the USA Today, what's something we ought to start paying closer attention to as we go into the month of May?
2: Yeah, I think month of May now we'll have more of a uh, idea you know, how good these teams, how bad they, uh, how bad they are. I'll be, I'll be curious with the uh, the Cubs. I I think the Cubs, you know, if, if you did a lie detector test with the front office and ownership, <laughs> they prefer to be out of it, so they can trade guys and, and dump guys. If they're right in the race like they are now, you know, you can't you can't move them, and they, they definitely want to move guys. Uh, I'll be curious too to see guys like a. Uh, the whole shortstop thing, you know, who's gonna who's gonna step up and separate themselves in the back, and who's gonna fall apart? I mean, right now, you you look at the Cubs at Javier Baez, you know, he's striking up you know, half his plate appearances. You know, are you really going to spend two hundred million dollars on that guy? You know, who gets more? Is it you know, is it Carlos Correa? Is it Trevor Story? Uh, I, I think that will be or or secret of the Dodgers. I think that'll be fascinating. I think if Lindor had not signed with the uh, Mets. I think the Dodgers would have gone after him and let Seager go.
4: Interesting. Well, it's going to be an interesting month of May and certainly an interesting 2021 baseball season. And the, one of the best places to find out what's going on is reading Bob Nightingale in the USA Today. Bob, as always, as good to visit with you. Hopefully we'll see you at some point here in St. Louis before this season gets away from us.
2: Yeah, that's going to be fascinating. Uh, what, in a few weeks when the Cardinals play the White Sox with La Russo, you know, managing against the Cardinals for the first time since Oakland A's days. I think it would be pretty
4: cool. I'm looking forward to it. Hey, Bob, as always, thanks for your time, sir. Have a great day, and uh, stay healthy, sir. All right, you too. Thanks, Mike. All right, that's Bob Nightingale of the USA Today. Stand by, folks. We're going to take a break, and we'll continue our baseball conversation with the president of baseball operations for the St. Louis Cardinals. He is John Moselock, and he's coming up next here on your voice for the Cardinals, KMOX.
1: From KMOX Sports, here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX.
4: It's 1130 here in St. Louis. Cardinals and the Cincinnati Reds will be getting it on here in just a bit. Our pregame comes your way just after noon, and Mike and John will have all the action for you today. Here's a Cardinal lineup. Uh, It'll be Edmund Carlson Goldschmidt, Arnauto, DeYoung, Justin Williams moves up in the order, followed by Tyler O'Neill, Andrew Kisner, and Jack Flaherty for the Redbirds this afternoon. So Cardinals looking for the sweep, and um, it would be a good good time to have one. And Redbirds have really struggled as far as winning series, so they've already won this one, but certainly a sweep would bode well for them as they are starting that 17 games in a row without a day off run, and uh, it's a good way to get things started with the, uh, the, another win today against Cincinnati, who's really struggling. Cincinnati was struggling against Arizona, and the Cardinals have – put some hurt on them as well let's go to the guest line and standing by as the president of the baseball operations for the cardinals he's john Mozeliak. john good morning sir good morning mike how are you i'm doing well i'm doing well two games in a row that you beat in cincinnati and things are, are going well in that direction the starting pitching is starting to be very consistent and a lot of good things going on with this ball club so in your opinion in the first month of the season what surprised you and other than more wins what are you looking forward to seeing more of
1: yeah, I'd have to say that that overall when you when you sort of take a snapshot and look back at, at where we've been, I mean, I think the one frustration has been uh, the inability to go deeper into games with starters. Obviously this past week has been encouraging. Um, but I think it's really important that you're not putting an onus on your bullpen so early. And, you know, probably the one other thing from a pitching standpoint is, you know, still a few too many walks. Um, so got to throw to the strike zone. Um, even if you get hit, it's just a lot better than giving free bases. And so that's something that you, you hope we can sort of straighten out as we, we get into uh, the month of May. And then, you know, I think overall, too, just, you know, the, I think the health of this club, getting, you know, Bader back, getting O'Neal back. So, you know, I think there's a lot of optimism as we start peeking into May, but um, not quite there yet. And then I think at some point you'll get Miles Michaelis back as well. So, you know, right now I think we're trending in the right direction, but um, I think more consistency from the rotation will certainly help this club as it continues to try to find ways to win.
4: Miles Michaelis is on the mend, and how is he progressing? When do you see him perhaps back with the club?
1: Uh, Still a hard guess on on when that will be, but this Friday, for example, he'll throw a fairly – Robust live BP, and then probably after that, we'll send them out on a rehab. Once minor leagues get going in after May fourth, so um, you always have to remind yourself you're still in the pandemic. So you know, fingers are crossed that minor league baseball is going, and you know these guys can we can replicate a, a real game instead of like trying to just do live BPs.
4: Speaking of the pandemic, uh, not that we're going to sound the all-clear horn or anything along that line, you reached 85% with regard to people who've been vaccinated. Uh, what does that mean for you, the ball club, and as far as the protocols Major League Baseball prescribes, how do things change for you th- in that situation?
1: It gives a little bit more freedom downstairs is really what it is. And so what that looks like is because you reach that 85 threshold, Some of the mask wearing when you're outside um, can be reduced. Players, if they no longer want to test every other day, they can now go um, roughly every third or fourth day, um, so twice a week. And then, you know, so ultimately it's allowed indoor dining. um, So, you know, now when you're at the ballpark, you can grab a little food and and munch it inside instead of having to, you know, find somewhere to sit outside. So it's just – it it just loosens things up a little bit. But as I remind players and staff every day, we're still in the pandemic. So, um, yes, we can relax a little bit. Yes, we are 85% uh, vaccinated. Good news. But, you know, please keep adhering to to these protocols and and remain disciplined.
4: You had a chance earlier this week to to speak about Matt Carpenter and his situation. Um, You know, we normally don't see a player – fight struggle as he has and yet he's a guy that comes out here every day he's putting the work in the results just aren't there Uh, where do you go from here in that situation obviously we're in the first month of the season but what are you looking for next from him and and what are your options
1: so it's a tough question to answer but you know start off with what people don't see and that's you know how hard he's working how he's trying um still one of the more popular guys in our clubhouse, um, still well thought of, very likable person. Um, and you don't want to forget about how important he was to this organization over the last seven, eight years. And so you couple that with, with trying to strike that balance between actual production and opportunity. and And that's always a fine line when you're managing a club because – the pressures of winning, the pressures of, of of putting your your best nine out there on any given day is is really what you're being charged with, and so you know it's how do you get him moving in the right direction when you have other people playing well, and and that that's the tough part, and so um, you know obviously when you have spring training, you're allowed more. More freedom to do that because nothing really matters at that point, as far as like record or, or you can find, you know, backfield at bats for someone. But in this particular case, everything does matter, everything does count. And, and so it's going to be, uh, you know, trying to thread a needle as we try to get him going, but also try to remain competitive and, and, and put our best lineup out there. So, um, you know, there, there's no simple answer here. Um, I'm sure listeners will, will take sides and, and debate, but you know, we're going to try to walk that fine line and see if we can't get it going.
4: For you, you mentioned the minor league season, and fingers crossed for that, uh, is about to begin. And with no season last year and the reduction of teams to stock, um, how are you guys going to assign players to different classes? Because you, know, you don't have as much data as you obviously would like. Um, so how is that going to work?
1: Well, in a lot of ways, it would be like what we would have done this time last year, mm-hmm. candidly. um obviously, there's probably a few players that are going to get the benefit of the doubt where they might bounce up a level, even though they didn't get to compete at at say like double a, but they might find themselves in triple A. But you know we're trying to keep players on their 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 normal trajectory if we can um but but there's going to be some players that maybe didn't get to take advantage of that and, and find themselves in a, in a repeat mode. But, you know, overall, I think the sense of, of where we are at the minor leagues, the fact that we had we have two less teams this year does make it a little bit easier to manage because we had a reduction in players, the players that we we have kept. You know, we have a lot of belief in them to be successful. So, you know, I just got off a call before you called on on sort of our minor league rosters and we're pretty excited the way that will look and uh you know our fingers are crossed come friday and saturday our our teams can break for their prospective cities and uh hopefully by the fourth we're playing baseball
4: when you look at your organization in the minors what area do you feel like has really grown and and maybe you're you're deeper in compared to another position
1: pretty deep across the board i would Compliment last year's draft, though, and, and even some of those players we signed as as non drafted free agents. Um, just spent a few days in Jupiter earlier in the week, and um, you know, really a positive vibe amongst the, the the younger players that will be breaking to go to our Palm Beach club, which is now our our low A. But I think with the impact of only five rounds last year, uh, we still feel pretty good about the the talent we were able to to inject into that. So um, I think it's exciting times for the Cardinals. Uh, you know, clearly I think your focus is what's happening sort of at the higher levels. But I think down below, even though it's been a year and a half since we've seen those guys play, I think a lot of them are, are really eager to get out and um, try to fast forward their careers as best they can. So I, I do think like paying attention to minor leagues and seeing what's going in these upcoming months is going to be a, a lot more interesting than maybe in years past because of the pandemic.
4: You know, when you talk about the minors, uh, the, the alternate camp situation, the taxi squad, all those things, that, will you keep the taxi squad? Will that be something that will be ongoing for the remainder of the season because the alternate camp will break up, and obviously you'll have the guys in the minors. So what about the taxi squad?
1: So probably the easiest way to think about it is alt camp becomes AAA, mm-hmm. and then Major League team will be allowed to, to still have up to five on the taxi squad if they choose. And then AAA will be given also a a taxi squad of up to five. What you don't want to see happen, and what you know Major League Baseball stepped in and done is, you didn't want to take five from your AAA club, and then all of a sudden you'd have to promote five from AA, five from High A, and five to your your Low A. You can't have that domino effect because in the pandemic, you're trying to mitigate and and minimize travel. You're trying to you know, keep the sort of major league bubble intact. So what I will likely do is probably carry, given where we're going, length of trip, and where our AAA team will dictate whether we carry three to five on the taxi. And then I will likely set up the, the Memphis team with three additional players to go on their taxi, just so we have some internal flexibility that may go to five over time or may go down to one or two. So it's just really a very fluid situation, but the easiest way to think about it is we have to keep the AAA and big leagues somewhat bubbled.
4: Final question for John Mose, Like I visited with Mike Schilt earlier about Yadi's status, and I know there was another imaging uh, test that's going to take place today. Have you heard anything about that yet, and do you have anything further to report on? It?
1: No, I haven't. Um, as I said, I was on a roster call this morning, and um, – you were the next person to call me. So I don't think it's been completed yet or they're still reviewing results. So uh,
4: I, fingers I, crossed. Yeah. Well, let's keep our fingers crossed on that. And by the way, uh, Mr. Kisner has accounted for himself well in the opportunities he's been given so far.
1: I would say so. And and I think that that's great, right? I mean, like the worst thing that could have happened was people had been like, Oh, see, told you. And so, <laughs> you know, watching him go out. And, and I thought that that game in, uh, Washington was was impressive i mean just yeah you know hustling guy played hard and uh you know showed baseball iq doing the little things and um yeah i'm excited for him he's a really good person i think he's a good player and and getting some opportunities is great but i will say watching Yachty swing the bat this year um i wouldn't mind him back in there at some point so um
4: uh, yeah i think I, I think we can agree on that one uh he is a uh, he 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 never surprises you anymore, does he? I mean, w- with his skill set, and we don't even think about age or any of that anymore. He just always finds a way to, to make a
1: contribution. It is impressive though, offensively. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. I mean we're, we're talking hard contact, and I mean you you can actually that that's something you can look up, right? And mm-hmm. so to see how hard he's hit the ball in this first month is is really remarkable, especially given the fact that. I don't think we've played, but maybe two games. Well, not counting the uh, Miami series, really above like 65. I mean, it's been some tough weather conditions this this first month, and and yet, you know, having a OPS of over a, a thousand is really remarkable.
4: I hope he's doing that in October.
1: Me too. Yeah.
4: Hey, Good Mo, idea. as always, it's great to visit with you. Thank you for your time, and uh, let's hopefully get this sweep today and uh, have fun in this 17 in a row stretch.
1: That'll be fun. All right, thank you.
4: Thank you, sir. John Moselock, president of the St. Louis Cardinals baseball operations. We're going to take a break, come back, talk a little women's soccer. St. Louis University women's program is in the tournament, and we're going to talk with Brianna Halverson in just a bit, right here on your voice for the Cardinals, KMOX.
1: From KMOX Sports, here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX.
4: Welcome back, everyone. It's 1148 on a Sunday morning. Cardinal baseball coming up just after noon this afternoon. First pitch, 115. We're going to talk a little college soccer, women's college soccer, with Brianna Halverson of St. Louis University. And first of all, Brianna, welcome to KMOX. But more importantly, congratulations on being in the tournament once again.
0: Hey, thank you guys for having me, and thank you guys very much. It's It's been an awesome opportunity, and we are we're glad to be back and do some damage. So...
4: Let's talk a little bit about this program because you've been part of one of the greatest runs the university's ever seen as far as a women's program is concerned. Three-year starter, you've made all-conference, you've done all these great things, but as a team, when did it all start to come together? Because you guys are are certainly the talk of the conference and certainly in the tournament, but uh, it had to start somewhere and you were part of it. So when?
0: Well, well, thank you, first of all. And um, gosh, it's, it's hard because I don't even know where to start. You know, it's, this is a program that I could truly go on and on talking about and something that um, I'm very blessed and proud to be a part of. Um, and honestly, it's it's been a program in the making. Um, we uh, a lot of times talk about a legacy in our program. Our head coach, Katie Shields, does an amazing job um, and just kind of setting the foundation um, of learning, you know, that where we come from and where we're headed to be. And um, I think one thing that's super special about this program is we know that the people who have come before us has paved this way um, to where we are now and that we could not have done it without the hard work um, and the goals and the visions that they have had for us. Um, and we're just learning to continue to pave that way and um, plant seeds for future Billkins to come. Um, but in being part of this program for, like, three years, four years now, um, it's our culture mainly. That is the heart and soul of our team, and I will say that it has been amazing to be a part of this program where starting from the staff who does an incredible job at – first of all, recruiting quality players, very talented, um, very skilled players. But also I think the outstanding part is, um, is the, the quality of the players and their personality and just overall good people who they, they play the game well, but they're also great individuals. Um, and I think that's what really makes our program and our team unique um, to those out there Um, we really we we work with each other on and off the field and we know that we have each other's back and we have a bond and um, we couldn't we wouldn't be able to do what we do on the field if we didn't have the connection off the field to be honest so I think throughout the years as it's as it's gone on again it's it's the quality of the individuals that have just made this so special and is continuing to make it grow so Yeah, just, again, a blessing to be a part of.
4: Brianna Halverson of St. Louis University's women's soccer team is our guest here on KMOX. And, Brianna, you guys are going back to the tournament. This isn't your first rodeo. How much do you think that's going to play in having that experience and being in the tournament and getting a bye so you kind of know what's going to happen in that next round? How much is that going to mean to you?
0: um it's actually gonna mean quite a bit because you know we've we've made a present um these past couple years but now it's time to like chip away a new a new layer so we're looking to go in there um and we're looking to do some damage and make it pretty far into the tournament and i i truly believe that with the people that we have on our team this year that um we're we're able to make that impact and i know that you know, with this, with this crazy year that we've had and not having to play in the fall, that we're hungry and that we're just continuing to fight, um, to stay together and have a good time and, again, make an impact in the tournament. So, and yeah. As,
4: and as you said, do a whole lot of damage. How was that transition <laughs> from the fall to the spring? And how did you guys stay together? Uh, from a conditioning standpoint and and an overall training element? Because, you know, athletes work to a certain date on the calendar and they want to be in that peak form mentally and physically. When that all changes for you, how were you guys able to stay together?
0: Gosh, well, I'm not going to lie. The fall was, it was hard, as it probably was for many programs out there. You know, it was um, mentally, physically, you know, it was, it was just challenging, but um, one thing is, I think we, you know we were all together in right before we went into winter break, and we knew that we had a. Hopefully, we were counting on a season coming up, and we, like I kind of said before, we were hungry and we wanted to make an impact, and we knew that we have had the individ- individuals to to make the impact that we are currently making, but. Um, we kind of we did a little accountability thing where we, we all kept in touch and made sure that we were staying on top of it. And I honestly think that that's the biggest difference right there is, um, is the work we do when nobody's watching because that's what, that's what really matters. And that's where I'm extremely proud of each and every individual on this team is what they've done outside of the, the watching eyes to get to where we are. So,
4: yeah. Well, Brianna, I'm I'm excited. You got me fired up. I'm ex- excited to,
1: to see you guys <laughs> in
4: action. <laughs> this Friday, uh, you guys are going to get the winner of the Washington Liberty Game. You guys are going to be in North Carolina. Uh, hey, you know what? If you're in the tournament, you might as well win the thing, right? That's
0: right. That's right. That's what we're looking to do.
4: <laughs> well, and I know you're going to do that and do some damage too, right? <laughs>
0: That's right. A, a That's whole right. lot of
4: it. A whole lot of it. Well, listen, I am excited for you and your program Uh, You guys making us all proud about what you guys represent with regard to not only St. Louis University, but this soccer community that we are so rich in having. And uh, you guys go down there and have some fun. And I look forward to us having a chance to talk again because, you know what, after next week we're going to have to play again. So hopefully we'll have a a chance to chat then (laughs) as well. I'm already planning your schedule. All right. So let's have some fun with this. All right, have fun. Best of luck to you and your team. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you in the very near future about the next opponent.
0: Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me again. And I'm looking forward to those conversations.
4: All right, take care. (laughs) Thank you. Have a good one. Brianna Halverson, St. Louis University's women's program. Uh, Folks, they are on a run. Uh, They went through the Atlantic 10 conference with very little difficulty. Uh, They got a first round bye in the tournament. And, uh, they can, and she said they're, they're ready to do some damage. And if you talk to a few people, people are keeping an eye on St. Louis. Uh, they are a team that can really make a name for themselves. They are not a team that's just going and happy to be in the tournament. They're there to do some, as Brianna said, do some damage. And I'm looking forward to her and her, her teammates uh, doing just that against either Washington or Liberty. Friday, 6 o'clock start in uh, Matthews north carolina just outside of charlotte so we'll keep you posted on that over the course of the week and uh, hopefully we'll have a chance to talk with her some more all right folks we are just about out of time for today man we've had a lot of people we thank john mozalock brianna hoverson for sure bob nightingale and of course our good buddy cam jansen and the manager mike Schilt for being part of the show today don't forget coming up after Uh, The news will get into Cardinal pregame. And, of course, Mike Shannon, John Rooney with the call. It will be the Cardinals and the Cincinnati Reds. Redbirds looking to go over five hundred today as they'll send Jack Flaherty to the mound. Luis Castillo will provide the pitching for the Cincinnati Reds. So, for everybody here, James O'Sullivan back at the studio. And, of course, our good buddy Jim Jackson for getting us on the air here at the ballpark. We thank everybody. Have a great afternoon. And we'll talk to you in Cardinal baseball on the other side of the news here on Your Voice for the Cardinals, KMOX.